The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, gang Giants fans, and welcome to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and we are looking forward to the Giants week four matchup with the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, 0-3 start for the Giants. Don't look good this Sunday. Here to, uh, to help me break things down, look at this, uh, at this matchup is Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. Em, thanks for coming on. How you doing? I'm doing fine. It is great to be back on the show talking football, man. Yeah, I was thinking the other day, I haven't talked to you in forever. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, with this, this whole pandemic season, man, everything has just been out of whack. You know, we don't even see each other at the games anymore, you know? I know, I know. Good Lord. It's like, you know, you, it's, uh, but we were talking about that, you know, off air a little bit. It's just crazy because, you know, as much as you, you love, I love being at the stadium for the games and all of that, but, but you can do everything from home that you can do at the stadium now because you can't talk to anybody in person. Bingo. That, that killed the whole vibe this year. The fact that you can't even socially distance, uh, interview someone, you know, like six feet away. And if you have like camera equipment, stuff like that, like you do in the NBA. So it really just makes it for me, at least like pointless to go, you know? Yeah, me as well. And, you know, but, uh, but, but that's, you know, that, that's our issue. M, the, the fans and the folks listening to us, I, I don't think they care about that. So, let's, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, so let's do this. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk Giants. Let's talk Rams. Um, I have to start here. Giants are 0 and 3. Rams are 2 and 1. The point spread on this game is 13 points. And I'm not a better, and I generally don't pay tons of attention to point spreads. But I, I looked at this point spread and I said, you know, I said, if I was a betting man, there's, there's not a chance in creation that I would take the Giants. Yeah, not at all, man. Cause normally, and you know, I do a lot of work with CBS Sports HQ, um, you know, dealing with against the spread stuff in, in NFL and college football. And normally when you see big point spreads like this in the NFL, you stay away from it. But this year, the point, the bigger the point spread has been, it seems like 
easy money. You know, you look at the Jets being 11 and a half point underdogs last week. That was easy money. You know, so anytime we've seen these big point spreads, because to me, this is my personal view in the NFL. If you lose by between three or four points, that's 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 the equivalent to losing by a touchdown in college football. If you lose by a touchdown, that's the equivalent to losing by 10 to 12 points. Anything in double digits, that's a blowout in the NFL. So Vegas is, is expecting a blowout here um, because in the NFL, everything is, is equal as far as everybody got talent. So it really comes down to coaching win and loses more games in the NFL than it does in college where talent wins you more or loses games uh, in, in that, in that aspect. So <clears throat> what they're saying is, you know, they don't trust the giants to overcome the Rams coaching. And I think that's a fair assessment when you look at how you know well the giants have started in games to how they finished and they haven't been able to make those adjustments to finish as strong as they have. So it's going to be a tough matchup, but if they're able to, to turn the tide and, and start to make those really good adjustments, um, not just wait to halftime, but make them within the game. I think they have a good chance of, you know, keeping this one close and perhaps pulling the upset. So let's, so, so, uh, so if you were laying money, would you take the giants and the points? No way. No way. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'd keep my money in my pocket. Yeah. This would be a game. I would lay the points with the Rams. Um, and you know, games you kind of stay away from that, that, that's tricky. Like I would stay away from that Browns and Cowboys game because you don't know which Cowboys defense is going to show up, but you know, the Rams, I mean, the, the Browns will run the ball. Um, but then again, you don't know which Baker Mayfield will show up. You know, so that's type of game you like, you know what? I'll stay away from that one. But this one in the whoever the Jets play, that's easy money. You know, <laughs> Jets will be getting their bets every week. Even even against the Broncos even on a Thursday night game at home against a new starting quarterback. All of that. Yep. Take the take the Broncos. <laughs> it's oh, funny because it's man. a big game. And it's I already made game. my picks for this week, and I took the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And I have a do-over. Yeah, you can have a do-over. <laughs> <laughs> I go back in and change it. <laughs> All right. See, that's you get to do that when you're the boss. <laughs> yep. So, hey, you know, you, you mentioned coaching. So let's talk about the New York Giants, and let's actually talk about this coaching staff a little bit and the situation that they're in. You know, obviously – I think we all knew entering the season, although nobody really could say exactly what the impact was going to be, we all knew that 38-year-old rookie head coach, no on-field offseason, shortened training camp with all sorts of restrictions on how much hitting you could do and and how how long you could practice and all of that, and no preseason games new offensive and defensive coordinators. I think we all knew that the Giants would be at a serious disadvantage against teams like the Steelers with an established coach and system, teams like the 49ers with an established coach and system, teams like they're going to face this weekend against the, you know, with the the Rams with an established coach and system and, and, and all of that. But I'm not so sure that people were really ready to see 
you know, just how far away the Giants might be and how much of an impact that had. I'm just, just, you know, that's my thought anyway. Do you think looking at the way the Giants have started, you think all of those things are playing into it? I think so, you, you know, and I, I, I tweeted this out yesterday, yesterday morning, just sitting back, just looking at all of the news from the day before. And he's like, man, you know, you, you, you think that as much as we loathe and complain about OTAs, mini camps, training camp practices, special team periods, you know, preseason games, man, they really make a difference, don't they? And, you know, all of the, from the, from the injuries standpoint, from the continuity standpoint to working out the kinks in the offense or the defense, getting the communication down pat. And so when you have that taken away, especially with a new coaching staff, you know, it does make what you see out there on the field just kind of, you can explain it away, even though coaches will say there's no excuses, but there are reasons. And you so can't, you can't give the Giants a mulligan. No, right. you, can't, you can't. can't give the Giants a mulligan because the games count. Right. But, and I don't know if it's exactly right. You know, Mark Colombo, Giants offensive line coach, he wasn't trying to make an excuse the other day when he said this, but he said, look, he said, you know, they have a, a really young offensive line with a first time center. And he said, we're thousands of repetitions behind where we should be at this point in the season. And I'm, you know, with, with an offensive line that's been together for years, that, that shouldn't matter. With an offensive line that's just together for the first time, that's learning a new system, that has to make an impact. That has to have something to do with some of the, with some of the mistakes that we're seeing. Yeah. You look at prime example, look at Buffalo and how fast they're playing. And when you look at the units that need continuity, cause there's a lot of communication, you're looking at the offensive line. And they're all five starters returned. And you're looking at the secondary. All five of their starters, and I'm counting the nickel corner, have returned. So their communication is already set. And when you look at a team, let's say within the same division, a team like Washington, new staff, new O-line, you know, in some places, uh, secondary is new and pieced together as well. And they have similar issues as the Giants, you know, where you see them playing well in spurts but not enough to where they can consistently win games and threaten their opponent throughout the course of a game. So you see a lot of mistakes, a lot of busted assignments, um, a lot of missed tackles. Uh, on offense, you see turnovers. You see ineffective run game. I mean, what Coach Colombo talked talked about, how evident was that in the first game against Pittsburgh? Where I, I don't know if you saw the tweet where I said, listen, it looks like they got a key on, this, on the Giants' run calls because every run play – look like Tecmo Bowl when you pick the same play as your opponent and it was just a all-out blitz. Like, I've never seen Saquon Barkley not even be able to get to the line of scrimmage. And I and uh, that was probably attributed to the fact that you have a new center and they were probably able to pick up on his cues when it was a run call or when they were going to run to whichever side and the sales just, you know, okay, we're just going to overload that side and just jump the snap and get into the backfield. So, yeah, he is absolutely right in terms of the amount of reps you need uh, for something to be, you know, consistent. And that's what we're not seeing. And again, it's not an excuse, but it is a reason to why we're seeing things the way we are, uh, seeing things happen, not just with the Giants, but with everyone that is in a similar situation like New York. 
And for me, I don't know how this season's going to turn out. I mean, the Giants, you look at the schedule and it's like, where are the wins on this schedule for the Giants? And, but, but for me, I'm also, you know, one of those people who remembers that, look, you know, Joe Judge has said a few times, it's not about where you are. It's about where you're going. And, you know, this is a beginning for me for the Giants with Joe Judge. They're at the start and, and you, you know how fans are. They get crazy and everybody's already ready to write off the Giants and write off Joe Judge and write off Daniel Jones and, and call for Dave Gettleman's head and, and all of those things. And I still look at it and I still say it's too early for all of those things. It's too early to say the idea of playing Nick Gates at center was a terrible idea or Andrew Thomas is a terrible left tackle and the Giants should have drafted Mekhi Becton and all of those things. I think it's just too early despite the record and, and how bad they played against San Francisco. I think it's too early to, to really pass judgments. You, you agree with me or not? Yeah, I agree. And cause we've seen Andrew Thomas look well. I keep going back to the first game of the season because, you know, that was a really good test for the offensive line. And for the most part, I thought they held up against the pressure very well. And then you look at the next game against San Francisco. I thought for the most part, especially early on, they held up to the pressure very well. Um, now, you just don't count for your best player on the team to get injured in week three. I mean, week two against the Bears um, in Saquon Barkley. And I, I missed that game. But, yeah, they had a good start to that game as well versus the pressure. So I just think that they'll. this is one of those teams I feel like the Giants and the Panthers defense is one of those things that'll get better as it moves on, as guys start to play more and get better. Uh, I feel the same way about Washington's offense. Um, as they get acclimated and play more, they, they have a new OC, uh, you know, they, all kind of stuff. Same thing the Giants have. I just see them. I just see a lot of these teams that are breaking in new uh, systems, new quarterbacks, new O-lines will get better, you know, as they get more reps. Because remember, usually we're talking about this, the first two or three weeks of the season is like the preseason games extended as the starters are starting to get acclimated to playing full games. Um, But now without preseason and without those inter-squad scrimmages or inter those scrimmages against other teams, like they are really behind the eight ball as far as where they should be from a repetition standpoint. And, you know, the other thing is I can already see this coming. The Giants are averaging 12.7 points a game. And, you know, thank God for the Jets or the Giants would, would have the worst offense in the league right now. But I can already see coming the unhappiness with Jason Garrett. I can already hear it in the tone of some of the questions he gets in his weekly press conferences. And, and, and I, I sort of understand it. I mean, there have been, I think in week one, there was very little motion in the Giants offense. Of course, they played a lot of five wide, you know, empty sets, that kind of stuff. Last week, I think they only used play action passes like maybe five times. And, and I, I'm just reminded of, you know, you watch San Francisco and you watch the Rams and you watch the Chiefs and you watch all that creativity. And you're like, why can't the Giants do that? But you're also, you're not comparing apples to apples. You're comparing something that's brand new and still being put in place 
to to things that have been established for a, for a long time. I mean, do you think it's do you think it's fair? Is I mean, is is that a fair comparison at this point? I just don't know if it's fair to kill Garrett over over what they're doing or not doing at this point. Yeah, I don't think it's fair because you see some some things that you you know didn't see with Shermer last year until certain spot, spots of the season. Um, you know, with with Daniel Jones running the football. And you know this, I put that video out a, a while back. I've said this, you know, when Daniel Jones was a rookie, if they utilized his legs in the run game, it would help alleviate a lot of the pressure that he sees in the pocket because now his threat to run will keep that def- those defensive ends from being super aggressive in, in rushing. So we're starting to see Garrett, you saw it against San Francisco, utilize Daniel Jones as the plus one in the run game. They have to treat him like he's, you know, Josh Allen or a Cam Newton, you know, you know, someone like that, you know, where you you have to respect the threat to run. You may not want him to run in, you know, 20 plus times. But if you call six design run plays for him for where he's going to have to keep the football, then you pretty much helped your offensive line out tremendously as far as, you know, calming down the pressure. And you help your quarterback by a little bit more time in the pocket to where he can find guys deeper down the field. Cause right now everything's coming out quick and short, kind of like it was last year. But if they add the running game with him to it, you, you also help out your running backs, um, because now they can't just crash down and, and defend the run going away from them. And you help out your quarterback and your offensive line. You, you'll be able to manufacture a lot more offense because of that. And let me take a, a quick break here for a word from our sponsors at SB Nation. I want to come back and I want to dive specifically into uh, some of the matchups on Sunday and, and, and some of, of what we might see against the Rams. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Giants fans, we're back here on the Valentine's Views podcast. I'm talking to Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. Em, let's look, uh, let's look specifically at, at Sunday. And I know we talked at the, at the beginning of the show, you know, that neither one of us would, would put money on, on the Giants, you know, in, in this game. But when you look at it, you, are there any matchups? Is there anything that you think the Giants can do or need to do where they might have an advantage or where they might be able to to do some things to to make this one competitive? Yeah, I think defensively, their front seven, to me, has played solid, you know, considering the circumstances. Because once your offense is not scoring, your defense is back on the field. They're getting tired. They're getting worn down. That's when big plays happen. But initially, they've done a good job at the point of attack. So first and foremost, when you're playing the Rams, Everyone focuses on the passing game and, uh, you know, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, Jared Goff throwing to Tyler Higby and Everett, uh, and Van Jefferson, the rookie. But you have to stop the run. 
So the sooner they can stop the run as far as their outside zone, um, and Henderson is one of those guys that, you know, he's an explosive guy. So you, you really have to be gap sound for him because if he cuts it back, he has the explosive speed to rip off yards and chunks. So if they stop the run and force it to, to where their play action passing game will be null and void, and it puts Jared Goff in a situation where he's going to have to go past his second target, his second option in the passing game, it gives them a shot to really get the Rams off the field. And, you know, early on, I thought the Bills did a great job up, up front and they really were able to get the Rams off the field. Um, and when the Rams came back, you, you saw Henderson start to pop off those runs, and that's how he ended up with over 100 yards, got them right back in the game, and they ultimately lost it. But early on, Buffalo's D-line was doing a good job in shutting down that run game and putting the Rams in situations where, you know, they didn't respect golf's play action, and that really allowed them to, to drop back in coverage, rally up, make the tackle, get off the field. So the Giants... Look, I've been impressed with their defensive front. Carter seems to be playing really well. Martinez has been a really good signing on the back end. You do like Bradbury. He's been a really good signing as well. Um, I think Love is playing some good football. Uh, it, it's going to hurt them not having Peppers and his explosive athleticism, although he can be a little bit of a liability out in space, but going downhill and attacking the run game, I think he would be just fine if he was out there healthy. Um, so, defensively it gives them a shot if they're able to stop the run which then puts the onus on the offense to go back out there and maximize those bonus possessions so defensively if they stop the run first it gives them a chance and that's what they have to do and and offensively obviously 3.2 yards per rush last in the league just isn't isn't going to cut it um and and we're still seeing Daniel Jones make more turnovers than, than I think we'd like to see. Although I do think there are some good throws. There are some good plays. There are some good signs. And yet those mistakes continue to pop up. You look at, at the Giants offensively. We talked a little bit about Jones in the run game and, and you know, we know who some of the, the Rams star defensive players are. Are there any matchups that the Giants can can take advantage of here? Yeah, you look at them trying to get their ground game going. And, and again, it's going to be tough because you have that big number 99 standing right there in the middle in Aaron Donald who just destroys run games, right? But the Rams do miss a lot of tackles at, at the second level. So if you can get past Donald, you have a shot to, to really pick up a big play on the ground because you know I think Michael Kaiser has the most missed tackles uh, in the NFL right now. And so that gives you a little bit of a, a window into, okay, if we can find a way to, to, I know it sounds easier said than done, you know, double team Donald or maybe trap Donald or, you know, try to influence him to go one way and we come back the other way with the run game. If we can just get to that second level, then we could have some success. Or if you want to, you know, really take advantage of, of what you can do, I think the best thing, and you saw Buffalo do this, you spread the field. The reason why you want to spread the field, yes, you're going to create more individual matchups up front, which can be tough against Aaron Donald, but you also create a lot of individual matchups out on the perimeter. Uh, and we've talked about this a lot, you know, where you have catch and run guys. So if you can get the ball out quickly to a guy like Tate or a guy like Ingram or Deion Lewis out on the perimeter, 
you know, Slayton to me, I don't know if Slayton is a catch and run guy. He's more of a, he's more of the guy that you want to hit the home run with. Um, but Tate, Ingram, Lewis, you get the ball out to those guys quickly and let them, you know, make a guy miss. You give yourself a shot to really, uh, you know, calm that pressure. And especially when you factor in Daniel Jones in the run game. So they can go spread and try to attack individual matchups that way and keep the ball away from Donald. Uh, or they could decide we're going to try to, you know, bully up up front and try to get to the second level, you know, which are, with our tackle tackle run game and, and try to do things that way. So there are some windows, but you, but they really do have to find a way number one. And it's an obvious one to contain Aaron Donald. If they can't do that, then anything I'm saying right now is null and void. So, there's a couple other things I wanted to talk to you about. Aaron Donald happens to be one of them. And here's what's interesting. It, I think it was he came out of the out in the draft class in 2014, correct? Correct. I think it was. And I specifically remember, you know, that draft class that you know, the Giants were sitting there and the Giants took Odell Beckham. And Aaron Don, I think Aaron Donald was still on the board if I Am I correct? I think Aaron yep. Donald went went after, and, and so did Zach Martin. And I remember, you know, there was a big debate. And I remember thinking not necessarily about, you know, how good Aaron Donald was going to be, but I just remember thinking, you know, Tom Coughlin was the head coach, and the Giants were in a situation where Knowing the Giants' tendencies, and they're still this way with Dave Gettleman, you know, drafting guys like, like Dexter Lawrence. They love big tackles. They love the big bodies inside. And I just looked at Aaron Donald, and first of all, I didn't think he was going to be any, anything like the player that he is now. And second of all, I just thought, there's no way under the sun the Giants take this guy because he's 280 pounds and there's no way they're going to put a 280-pound tackle inside. I mean, just just thinking back on it, you know, did you did you see how good this guy was going to be? <laughs> you know what? It's, and it's going to sound like I'm I'm lying, but yeah, I did see it and I had him as a first round, you know, great high graded uh, draft pick. He was my number one defensive tackle. And the reason why, and you know me, I'm always saying size is not a skill. And, you know, if you're good enough, you're big enough. So when I looked at Donald and, you know, usually you have the, the shorter guy, he'll make a play here, a play there. But when you're consistently making plays, I mean, it, it was just, it was hard to ignore. And so you look at Aaron Donald and you look at what he was able to do up front for um, Pitt. And then, you know, I was down at the senior bowl that year and it was like, Man, this dude is just legitimately good. Like, it doesn't matter that he's six feet tall. You know, he's constantly disruptive. And so, yeah, I, I did see it. It was just about people getting over the the height. And, and you know, we see this a lot with, with players of that um, like him. You know, you, you're like, man, if if he's doing it at a power five level, you know, then he's he's able to do it. And so... I thought that, you know, people overlooked the fact that he was dominant, you know, at Pitt. And then he went down to the Senior Bowl and was able to dominate there. Why wouldn't he be able to dominate at the NFL level? And, you know, instantly you think of Warren Sapp being a quick undersized defensive tackle and Sapp was 6'2". So, you know, 
one thing you have when you're Aaron Donald is natural leverage at six feet. Plus, he still has a quickness. And I think people underestimated how strong at the point of attack he is. I know there was a tweet about somebody saying that he wasn't a good run defender. And that was so false uh, because that's what makes him a threat. You know, he's good against the run as he is against the pass. And um, that's something that made him such a, you know, a premier uh, prospect, you know, as a, as a uh, collegian. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. All right. So the other guy that I want to talk about briefly. Oh, 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 go ahead. You know what? I'm lying. I just I just pulled up the video clip. It um I had Lewis Nix out of Notre Dame at number one and Aaron Donald at number two. Oh wow. man. And right. what did what did you do? Right, you know what I'm looking at the scout report I have for Nix and I have dominates as a shade or one tech. He has excellent hand quickness. He's a nimble big man. His negatives was turned. He gets turned back at times and gets washed. He's coming. He also he's also coming off of an injury. And I compared him to Vince Woolfolk. And for uh, Donald, I had plus he has uh, a variety of pass rush skills, quick hands. He's disruptors with a with a burst. And my negative was funny. I said he's a he struggles to anchor versus the run. He's not a quote unquote power player. Boy, I was wrong right there. And I compared him to. And I compared him to this player because of what he did in college more so than what he was doing and, and some of what he did in the NFL, but I compared him to Nick Fairley. Remember that name? Yes. Yeah. So that's, so that was my top two D tackles in that class. Well, you, you were, you were, you were half right. Half right, right. Half right. <laughs> wow. I forgot about Lewis Nix. Uh, and he, he spent time with the Giants, right? Yes. Very little bit of time. Very little, little, forgettable, regrettable amount of time with the Giants. But, you know, M, this is – I always say this when we talk to you, and this is one of the things that that I love about you is that, that you're always willing to to go out on a limb and have your own opinion and stand on your own two feet and and not sort of group think when it comes to scouting. You, what what you put down on paper and is, is your opinion, and I love that. You have to, man, because why would you create something – by yourself, you know, that you created by yourself just to be like someone else. If you're going to be wrong, like I was here, then be wrong by yourself. You know, don't try to be wrong because you were listening to, to group think. Um, so I was, so t- it's always good to go look back. I'm glad I was able to quickly pull up the video and, um, see, because you, you know, you see where, what you said and then you, you fast forward now to see where you've grown in certain areas. So you're always trying to evaluate what you, and what your your process was. And, you know, yeah, I was right having him as a high first round pick, but definitely wrong in my negatives about him and also the guy I had in front of him. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's always that to me, that's how I feel like everybody should do that. Um, because if you're if you're right, good, if you're wrong, that's fine. That's an opportunity to grow and learn from. You can find out why you were why you were wrong. I think one of the biggest things that I've grown in, in scouting um, that I used to just totally bypass is the whole factoring in the college injury aspect. I was like, oh, if he's healthy, he's a, he's a, he's going to be do X, Y, Z, but yeah, but he hasn't been healthy throughout his career. So that's the one consistent part about a person's game is that he has been hurt. So factoring that in, it, that allowed me to really, okay, if this guy has a, has a, has a, uh, an extensive injury history, then I can't grade him super high because the likelihood of him getting to that, potential is slim because evidence shows me 
his body just can't handle it. So that's one area where I've significant, significantly grown in my process. Oh, it's interesting, Emmett, that that uh, that you went down the injury road because there's one more guy that I really wanted to talk about before I let you go, and that's Evan Ingram, mm-hmm. the guy who who you know they always say you know best avail best the best you know skill or the best ability is availability, and, and he hasn't been available as much as the Giants would like the last couple of years, but that's not really the focus of, of where I want to go at this point. You know, we talked earlier about coaching staff and installing schemes and repetitions and all of that. And I think one of the, one of the parts of that is that you also have to remember as a new coaching staff, these guys are still just getting to learn these players and you can watch film and you can figure out skill sets and all of that. You know, but it's as you go along, you kind of figure out what guys can and can't do. And, and, and the whole reason for this preamble is I look at Evan Ingram and I look at the Giants need for explosive plays. And then you look at the statistics among tight ends. And, and this is a guy with four, four and change speed. And he's last in the league in yards per target and yards per routes run among tight ends and I'm just wondering you know what is going on I mean when you watch the Giants do you like do you wonder like I do like when is somebody going to try to going to actually use this guy the right way yeah I think you know I think a lot of what what has what we see this year at least you know with him it's mainly about um what can we can we protect long enough to where we can utilize his explosive speed downfield? And if they don't feel as though they can protect well enough, they're gonna you know adjust accordingly. So they're gonna have him run these these shorter routes and things of that nature to try to get open quickly. Um, and so I, I just I think that's part of it. And also you know learning a new scheme. Maybe he's you know working through what he's what they're asking him to do. You know we we don't know what the responsibilities are. I think this is another situation where knock on wood, if he's out there for the full 16, we'll see his play increase as it, as it goes forward. Yeah, I certainly, I certainly hope so because it seems like, you know, we all know that especially without Saquon and now without Sterling Shepard, the Giants need explosive plays. And it, the, the two years with Pat Shermer running the offense, it used to drive me nuts to watch the Giants run these these drag routes with Ingram where he was running sideways instead of getting down the field. And, and and right now I'd kill to see a drag route where he was actually out running a linebacker. Mm -hmm. So I, as you said, I, I hope that, uh, you know, that those things come along. I hope that, uh, that you're right, that we'll see better play from the giants. But I think you and I agree, um, this this Sunday could be another uh, uh, another ugly Sunday for uh, for New York Giants fans. Yeah, it's gonna be tough, man. But they they have to look at this in the scope from you know from the scope of a of a team that's you know a lot of new players, new staff, new scheme. You know, granted, it, it's tough to to hear that and watch what you see on Sunday. But if we're being completely honest. 
despite the, the score looking the way it has looked, especially last week, right? You can't really say the Giants are a terrible football team. Like they are really not the Jets. You know, when you watch the Jets and watch the Giants, the Giants at least give you the feeling that they have a chance to win that game. Hell, they had the chance to win the Bears game. They had a chance to really win, I thought, the Steelers game. San Francisco got out of hand late, but they were in that game early. Um, at, at halftime, they were in that game, and then it just fell apart. So it's not like they're just getting completely blown out. Like the Jets gave up a touchdown on the first play of the game, you know, to San Francisco, 80-yard touchdown run. And then, you know, Sam Darnold throws two pick sixes against the Colts. They're not having those problems, I don't believe. You know, I think they're a, they're a competitively bad team, kind of like how Cincinnati is, you know. And um, but, but Cincinnati has, you know, a little bit more weapons to, to work with on offense than the Giants do. So even from that scope, you're like, all right, well, I, the Giants aren't bad. They're at least watchable to the point where you can see some improvements. Like we talked about defense and we talked about, you know, the, the, the fact that they are using Daniel Jones's ability as a runner, uh, which is always a positive in my eyes. You know, record-wise, you know, whatever the record is, I'll say this. I feel better, and maybe it's because, you know, largely because of this coaching staff and because even though there may not be incredible blue-chip, you know, young talent outside of outside of Saquon and, and depending on what Daniel Jones turns into, I feel better about this team and this franchise than I did a year ago. Yeah. And you expect pieces to fall into place. Let's say for 2021, you expect a healthy Saquon Barkley. You expect them to add a few more dynamic pieces at wide receiver. You expect them to add maybe another uh, stud defensive player at whatever level, you know, you know, D line linebacker secondary. So you expect this team to grow. And you expect them to have a vaccine by, you know, <laughs> before the next season. So <laughs> therefore they can get a full off season of, of repetition and we won't have the same conversation in 2021. Oh, I don't want to have that conversation again. <laughs> and on the bright side, on the bright side, you know, if, uh, if the NFC East teams keep losing, even at 0 and 4, the Giants could be a game out of first it's, place. Right. I want to say they're still. <laughs> They are still in the playoff picture. They're still in the hunt. You know? <laughs> yes, they are. All right, M. thank you very, very much for spending some time with me. Always enjoy talking to you, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll do it a little more often. Looking forward to it. It's always a pleasure. All right, take care. Giants fans, thank you very, very much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.